don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow, and you've known about it for four weeks, and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. <laughs> yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa! Money really does grow on trees. Happy Father's Day. We're so glad everyone's here with us, and as is our tradition, we want to hand out some chocolate to our dads, so we are passing them out here, and I know my mom has got one hidden um, from my dad, and is going to hand it to him now, so happy Father's Day, Dad, and this is just something we are doing, just a little bit extra, like on Mother's Day, on Father's Day, just because we want you to know as a church, we love and appreciate you and all that you do. So this week... I was, I was thinking about the funny things that I've heard, and I heard a comedian that was talking about, before he actually became a comedian, he was traveling on the road, and he had this problem that I had with my children as well, um, where when I'm gone, they want to spend the night in my bed. And he was talking about this, and he, every time he would go, his boys would just jump in bed and, and just, you know, his wife wouldn't get any sleep, and she'd be frazzled even more than normal. And so he's going on this trip, and he told his boys, he set them down, and goes, now listen, I'm going to be gone on this trip, and I'll be back on these days, but there's going to be reward if you don't sleep in my bed because mom needs her sleep and man I can remember the kids coming in all of them you know sometimes all of them at the same time I'll come home and they're all in there so it's like it takes longer to get them in there and carry them up there and all this stuff even last night I came home Lenore's in my spot Andrew's in her spot Jen's on the couch and you know it's just it just takes so long to get settled and you know it's I guess that's a problem that never goes away but um 
Anyway, so this dad is gone. He's traveling and he's telling his coworkers, his boss, and says, hey, listen, you know, man, I just love my family and, you know, just can't wait. And he goes, well, I, you know, I'm going to drop you off. He goes, maybe I can meet him. So as they pull into the driveway, the kids come running out and he goes, man, there's nothing greater as a father than to see your kids running to you and just leaping into your arms and grabbing hold of your legs and everything. So the guy's watching goes, wow, what a great family you have. And the boys opened their mouths and said, dad, I just want to let you know that while you were gone, nobody slept with mom. And um, he's like, that wasn't the exact response I was looking for. And, you know, it's like, what kind of family do you have? But, you know, it's kind of funny just the, the different scenarios that people will find themselves in. And this week on the radio, on the AM station, on Friday, they had a special um, tribute to dads. And they had people call in and talk about their stories of their dad. And it was just really, really cool to listen to him. One, one guy called in and he said, I believe his father's been dead and gone for for 50 years or something like that. He said he still remembers getting woken up every Sunday morning at 7.30 a.m. with a phone call from his dad and saying, boy, get up and go pay for your bed. When I heard that, I'm like, what in the world? I mean, why are you going to get up on Sunday to go pay for your bed like you're going to work? I'm like, oh... He's, this dad was telling him, get up and get ready to go to church so you can go thank God for everything he's given you. Boy, get up and go pay for your bed. I made, that was pr- pretty awesome. And the, the old man was getting kind of mushy as he's describing it to him, breaking up on there. Another one said that he just knew one day, uh, he'd heard this before, that one day he's going to wake up and his father was going to fall out of his mouth. And, and sure enough, it happened. And he's like, he's correcting his son. Like, and he's like, oh my gosh, this sounds just like my dad. And so, you know, that's just what happens to us. That the things that we, we, we've had instilled into us just comes out. And, and all the stories that I heard, every one of them was talking about, you know, my dad made me get a job when I was at 10 years old, or I'm out there cutting grass, or I had to go work at this restaurant waiting on tables, and I had to do all of these things. And they were talking about many of them in tears and choking up. They were so ex- happy with their dad for having given them work ethics, to giving them morals, to giving them a compass of how to live their life. And and the amazing thing was that none of them were really talking about, oh, it was so terrible. It was this or that. All the things were their imperfections. Like for me, I'm not perfect dad. I know you never thought I'd say that, Joy and Jen. But all the things that I fall short, hopefully they don't remember And then someday they'll look back and say, wow, these are the things that I gleaned. And that's what was happening for every one of them. They were now a place that they could look back, and their focus was on all the things that were awesome. And as I said, many of them were choking up. And, you know, dads are come in many shapes and sizes and flavors. And, you know, there's obviously the biological fathers. And then there's the uh, stepfathers that step in and take over in a family, a, a blended family. And, you know, just so many stories. And, and I personally have experienced that myself. And my dad is, is my dad. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know what to do without my dad. And he's given me so much. And I honor him today. I honor you today, dad. And, and just that's so thankful. And then there's, there's others that are, are fathers that step in that aren't even related, but will still be there. For me, that was my papa. You know, he, he took over um, when my 
biological father left. And, you know, one of my favorite pictures, I should have had it prepared and put it up on the screen. One of my favorite pictures is my mom took of Papa walking up the sidewalk and I'm in his arms. And I was a little bit smaller than Vivian, but I'm in his arms and his yellow pickup is out there, old yeller. And he's, he's walking up and he's returning me home, you know. He probably had enough of me. He was ready to get me back home. But um, that's one of my favorite pictures, you know, because he stepped into that role for me. And, and so many people that maybe you don't even call them father, but they've had a father role in your life. We just honor all of our fathers this morning. And, and not only just the uh, natural fathers, but we turn our attention, even in worship, I was talking about our worshiping our father who is in heaven. As, as I, I was preparing for this service, this story that actually started this whole transformation of Lenore and I walking through just came back to life this week, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But I want to share it with you. I've never shared it with you publicly, and it, it's, it really kind of started the transformation that has led us to where we're at today. And it was in 2001, and I was getting ordained at Christ of the Nations and, and we flew out here from Florida, and we were here for the several days. And, and the banquet that they had was hosted by our, the guest speaker was one of my favorite guys at Christ for the Nations when I was a student. There's Dr. John Garlock. And he was doing, and he's such a wonderful person. In fact, he was instrumental in me even going to Christ for the Nations. He came to my church, and I heard him speak, and I got to talk to him. But he's up there, and he told this story in the middle of his message that night. He said there was a famous pastor, and he was from the East Coast, and he was called to be the main speaker in Hawaii. And in the 80s and the 90s, that's what you did. If you had an uh, anointed um, conference or anything, it had to be in Hawaii, because that's what everybody did. So he's out there, and he's the main guy. He's the headliner. He's the, the one who's doing all the heavy lifting at this conference. But it, it, his timetables are all messed up. So 3 o'clock in the morning, he's wide awake, and everybody else is sleeping. So he got up and walked down the stairs because he's just going stir-crazy in his room. He went across the street to an all-night diner. As he walked in, he's sitting there and just having a piece of pie or whatever. And he's just kind of just, you know, kept taking in the whole scenery. And this group of girls came in and sat down at all the bar stools. And they're all just chatting. And he heard one of them say, tomorrow's my birthday. Not that anybody cares. Thought, wow, that's unusual. So they finished up their chatter and they got up and they left. And so the, the husband and wife that owned the diner, they're cleaning up. And he goes, Hey, who were those girls? And they're like, Well, you know, they're the local riffraff and they're the, the local um, people that, you know, they're the streetwalkers, they're prostitutes, you know. But, you know, they come in here every night once they finish their shift and, and they're here. And, you know, it's just, it's just the way it goes with it. He's like, oh, he goes, well, I heard the one, and he kind of described it, and the wife popped out. She goes, yeah, that's Gloria. He says, well, I heard her talking about that tomorrow's her birthday, not that anybody cares. He goes, what do you say we throw a birthday party for Gloria tomorrow? Wife says, I'll bake a cake. He goes, well, I'll go get the stuff. So he took a break during the conference and went out to a party center or someplace like that and bought all the balloons and all the stuff. And then, you know, that night he taught the conference all day long. And that, that night he came over and at 3 o'clock in the morning they got the place decorated with happy birthday and all the stuff. Sure enough, here the girls come in. As they walk in, they said, surprise, happy birthday. And, and they're holding that birthday cake out in front. And Gloria just looked at him and just startled and says, what is this? And so 
They said, well, it's your birthday cake. She said, well, what do I do with it? It was like, well, it's yours. You can do anything you want to. She goes, well, I've never had a birthday. It's like, I don't know what to do. And she goes, you can do anything you want to. So she took the cake out of their hands and turned around, walked out the door and went home with the whole cake. And they're like, well, that was very uneventful. And so they continued and they had their celebration. And, you know, the rest of the girls ate and then they, they left and then they're cleaning up again. And, and the husband and wife came over and said, we just got to ask you, who in the world are you? He says, well, I'm a pastor and, you know, I'm here for this conference. And like, Hold on, wait, wait, wait. There's no church that the pastor of the church would throw a birthday party for a prostitute. And the guy said, because if there was a church like that, I'd go. As Dr. Garlock told that story, my wife and I were almost in tears because we're, we're just sitting there going, oh my gosh, where we're at and where we're serving. I'm not throwing any stones at them. But where we're at, they wouldn't welcome glory in there. certainly wouldn't throw a birthday party for her. And, and we were just like almost in tears going through this whole thing. And so that was the beginning of a transformation for us. But can I tell you that God, as our Father, is so concerned about a Gloria. He's so concerned about where she is and how she's being received and what's going on in her life. And he's so excited to have thrown a birthday party for this girl who's never had a birthday party. See, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 14, you can look it up later. Jesus is talking about a story of, of the 100 sheep, and 99 are still over here, but one leaves. He said, the good shepherd will leave the 99 and go and find the one. He'll go and he'll leave them behind because he's focused on the one. But sometimes we'll look at it and say, well, that's the spotted one. And that's the, that's the one that kind of limps a little bit and a little gimpy. And, you know, all this stuff. Well, you know, one's not that bad. It doesn't really fit in with us anyway. And, you know, you know, the rest of us are okay. We're all over here. We didn't leave. And Jesus says, but my father, my father... My Father in heaven is so concerned about the one that he will even leave the 99. And he says, literally, it is not the will of my Father that even one of these would perish. We all have value, not just the ones that look important, that seem important, that would have this image of, oh, look at you. You're the guest speaker of this whole thing. Man, aren't you important? He's like, no. Glory is just as important. Psalms chapter 68 verse 5 says, God, our Father, is a father to the fatherless and a judge for the widows. Now, he's not judging the widows. He's a judge for them. He's watching out for them going, hey, you better treat them right because I'm judging how you deal with them. But he's a father as our God in his holy habitation. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. All of us are the work of your hand. 
See, we're seeing different places in the Scripture that God is our Father. And some people, if they haven't had a Father, they kind of have a hard time relating to Him. But He's still a Father. He says that we're the clay and He's molding us into what He... Because we're the works of His hand. It may not be looking like what I think it should look like. It may not be coming out in the shaping of it. It may not be exactly... but. He's got it all under control, and he's manipulating, and he's wiggling, and he's moving it all around, and he's shaping the outcome just as he would like. John chapter 3, verse 16, probably one of the most well-known scriptures. For God so loved the world. Can I interject and just kind of put it in there in the middle of that? For Father God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The next verse is the one our, our church is founded on, John three seventeen. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God didn't send Jesus to come and point his finger and go, you're a mess. You're all jacked up. I love how the Message Bible says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His only, one and only Son, and this is why, so that no one needed to be destroyed, but by believing in Him, anyone can have whole and lasting life. Verse 17, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son, merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world of how bad it was. But He came to help to put the world right again. That's still the same thing today. He sent Jesus because as a father, he loved me so much. As a father, he loves you so much. Not to point that accusing finger. Not to tell you how bad you are. But to help. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are he loves us so very much he even calls us his children and that's who we are so it's not just something he's saying we're really not that but it is who we are see God is showing us a picture of himself loving us And he uses the picture of a father because he's concerned about even the one. Even the one that isn't where they necessarily should be. Now, this week I got a chance to talk to my pastor friend, Pastor Joe Cadena. And he's one of our overseers with us, but he's one of my great, great friends. And he sends his love and he says he's praying for us. And we're trying to work out some stuff that he'll be here to see us all. And you guys get to meet him. He's just he's a great, 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 great guy. But he was preaching a message that was part of this journey for Lenore and I. And he's preaching his message, and, and, and I'm not going to re-preach it, and I could, and it's just, it changed my life so much. But he said, hey, is it possible to be in a place of sin and not sin? Is it possible for a Christian to be at a place that you'd say, oh, you, I don't really think you should be there. 
Is it possible for that to be the case and not sin? And, and over the course of time, God has led my wife and I through the transition that started with the story of Gloria and a series of other things that I'm not going to go into today because it would take today's entire service and several others to go through. But he led us to go into places that people might say a Christian shouldn't be in. Certainly a pastor should not be in. And, oh, I, I, I don't know about this, and, but is it possible to be in a place of sin and not sin? Is it possible to take the love of God into a place where the ones are? Leave the 99 at the church and go and find the one who's not in church. And he led me to a place. My whole family's been there with me many, many times. Called Redneck Heaven. And it's a, a Texas country bar that, you know, is themed after the Dukes of Hazard, And it, it's just this crazy thing. And, but most people would say that's not a place for a Christian. Many would even say that's certainly not a place for a pastor. And yet God has laid that as our garden. And, and we're cultivating the relationships of people in that garden and being there for people and knowing what's going on in their lives and trying to be there for them. And I've talked about this place numerous times. But last week I'm sitting there off in the corner by myself. This guy walks up to me and goes, Hey, are you Kevin? I'm like, yeah. Like, what's this? You need a ride? Or what's going on? He's like, well, all those girls over there were telling me all about you. He was, and I just had to come meet you for myself. Okay. Again, I'm thinking he wants a ride or something. He goes, is it true you're a pastor? (laughs) I'm like, yes, it is, in fact. He goes, "I I just can't believe that. He goes, you see, my dad was the president of a Bible college, and I grew up in church, and I grew up around all this stuff. And he goes, I've never known a pastor who would come into a place like this. Funny, as he says, as he's in a place like this. But he's like, I couldn't believe that there was really a pastor who would leave the church to come into a place like this. He goes, and they hear all the girls talk about how you're there for them and how you help them and how you just talk to them about God and, and you invite them to your church. He goes, I, I just have never heard of anything like that. And it reminded me of the story of Gloria where the guy said, if there's a pastor to throw a birthday party for a prostitute, I'd go to that church. And it really struck me, and, and I almost turned to tears as he walked away, and he had no idea What a compliment he gave me. Because it brought me right back to that time at our ordination where I heard that message. And I thought about the glorias that there are. And not just glory as a prostitute, but a waitress at a country redneck bar. Or a dancer at a strip club or a waitress, or this one. That one that has kind of walked away, or maybe he's never even heard about God. I heard some of this one this week I was talking to, and they, they told me, well, I don't really believe in sin. I don't really believe I'm sinning because 
You know, I really don't think there's anything after this life. And I think when I die that my body's just going to turn into magical fairy dust and it's just going to float into the atmosphere. And then I'm going to transition into something else. I'm like, well, that, okay. If that's what you believe, then I guess there is no consequence for sin and you can do anything you want to. I said, but what if you're wrong? What if it's like, you go out on the balcony, we're on the second floor, and you say, I don't believe in gravity, and you want to step off out there because you don't believe in gravity. I said, I think you're going to have a surprising experience. I hope it's not that way when you get to heaven. And she just kind of looked at me, and I just kind of, it's like a mic dropped, and just walked away and just kind of left it there. And, but, but I'm praying, and even in prayer at 8 o'clock on Saturday, I'm like, God, I pray that even those words will keep going in her mind and go, huh, what if I'm wrong? See, my, my desire and my prayer is not to have a church filled with people who are just like other church people that are just judging people and just here because, look at me, I, I, I wore my Sunday dress and look at me, I, I look so good today and, and I'm, I've got it all together. My desire and our prayer is to have a church full of people who've experienced and encountered God. Full of those ones that have left the 99, never even experienced the 99. Those people say, I used to go to church. I don't go to church anymore. Those church people are, and you fill in the blank. And they're full of things that will go in that blank. This weekend is actually, marks three years ago, that Dr. Kennedy stood on the platform of North Church and said, okay, June the 28th, we're closing up. You guys all find another church. And we're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to go on. We kind of knew that was coming, but didn't really have any plans for it. Just kept serving. And then the last Sunday, right before the end of the month of June, three years ago, God woke me up with a dream to plant this church. And, and as, as I had that dream, and, and as I'm doing, I started putting everything intentionally, and I called Pastor Tad, who was a, a father figure in the faith to us in, in Florida. I said, hey, you know, Dr. Kennedy closed the church, and he knew that was coming. And I said, and God called me to start a church, and I know Dr. Kennedy doesn't want to be a covering, and he just wants to, you know, move on to the next level of his ministry. And, and I know it's not, but I don't want to do church alone. And how do you feel about having a church on the rock in Dallas? You had Church on the Rock in Palmetto. You had Church on the Rock at the time, Sarasota. And you had Church on the Rock in Calera. Hey, the natural thing would be Church on the Rock in Dallas. He says, let me pray about it. And he did. And came back a couple of weeks later and says, I not only believe that that's good, but I believe that's right. And he said a lot of good things about my wife and I that, you know, he believed that we were, it was the right time for us. And so we kind of did it. But that's the only thing I didn't put intentionality to of every single thing and looked at every single thing. It just kind of jumped into that name because of being with Pastor Tad and being part of Church on the Rock and, and being under their covering and being, you know, that whole thing. And, 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 and after we started doing it, I started having a little bit of a... Because Pastor Chris Hodges says that there's three things he's quoting a book that someone wrote. He goes, three things you should always have is easy, strategic, and obvious. And, and, and I don't really want a, a huge name. And Church on the Rock Dallas is really long. It's a mouthful, and it's not easy. It's not easy to remember. And people say, oh, you're the Church on the Rocks. No, we're not a Church on the Rocks. 
you know, and it's just, it's confusing. It sounds religious. It sounds churchy. It's just kind of like, well, then you got to explain it. And even looking for it in the, in the app store, it's kind of long. You got to type the whole thing out if you're an Android and you're telling people, well, look at this. And it, it's just, it was, it's just kind of grinded a little bit inside of me. And it's like, okay, but I just kept pushing it down. And then I heard people talking as they're walking on the sidewalk in front and kind of associated with some other things that have happened with someone with the same name years ago. And it's got some bad connotation, some baggage. And it's like, oh, and it just, it just grinded me a little bit, but I just kept pushing it down because I'm just worried about people and just trying to keep just plugging along, just kept pushing it down. And this past March, I was driving to see my parents and I'm listening to the art conference um, messages and just, just tooling along in the four and a half hour drive and just like enjoying myself. And, and as I'm driving along, all of a sudden God just kind of like spoke to me. He says, you know, you never asked me what the church was supposed to be called. true. Just jumped right in there and said, Pastor Dad, how about Church on the Rock? Dallas. Kind of ran with that. Had that grinding inside of me, but not because I had something else I wanted to call it. It's just because I didn't really like that, how this was working out. And so I had this little grind going on inside of me, and, as I, and I, didn't even, I didn't even spend any time focusing on it. It's just the, but as I'm driving, he came up with this, and he goes, this is what I want it to be called. And this is what I believe God showed me. And then as he did, I started thinking about our flyer. And this is the first flyer we had from Ark, and we modified it for us, and we did everything. But you were made to, and then you flip it over, it says belong in big words. And it gives all this information for us, and our logo, and our little tagline, and all this stuff we go through there. And, and as I started looking at it, God says, I, I want you to call your church belong. Belong church. And I love it because as that's what I really believe he gave me. It was that last piece in the puzzle that everything was intentional. It's easy. It's one word, belong. It's obvious. When you hear that, you know what it means. And it's, it doesn't sound churchy to me. I love that part of it. It's strategic. Because if, if you say, hey, will you come to church? What church is your church? belong. Belong, church. Oh. Even in that name, it tells you about us, and it tells you that we're here for the one that's over here, and and I don't care what you found yourself in. I don't care where you're at, and and this person that told me she believes she's going to turn into fairy dust, she goes, you know, I'm never going to believe in God, and I said, you know what? I love that, and we've got a place for you. I don't care if you ever say you're going to say the prayer. I want you to know that we've created a place where you can belong. A place that you fit in. That even though you say, I don't understand, I'm still checking it out. Hey, that's great. You belong. That's our goal. So I want to roll out the new logo. We're actually going to change the name on the 1st of July. But this is our new logo. And we're going to be changing some things. So like our Facebook change, Facebook page will be changing. We're in the process. Our website, it'll take a little bit longer, quite a bit longer to get it done, rolled out. But little things you're going to start noticing out there. And there's another rendering of this. It's in 3D. It's kind of a little bit more difficult to see um, this one. I understand it shows up better on the stream though. We're going to start rolling these things out and we're going to be doing the 
the the changing of stuff and our new website we'll be telling you about that the emails and all that stuff but I love the fact that it's an easy strategic and it's obvious I love the little people linking up and holding their hands together because that's what it's all about we're all in this together I want to tell you one last story and I believe this was a true story though I can't confirm it but the father was the county judge such a small small area that there's only one judge and he was it so no matter who you are what you did if you're going to see the judge he's the judge and his son as much as he tried wasn't really walking the way that dad would want so the son kept getting into trouble over and over again and this one time he got caught speeding and he ran from the cops and he did all this stuff and he got arrested and he's drugged into into court and guess who's presiding over court but his dad the officers read the charges off he he looked at him and goes son young man these are terrible charges and Somebody's got to pay for this. And he started telling him the amount of money it's going to cost. It came up to over $10,000 in fines and everything. And the kid's like, you know, I don't have that kind of money. And he's like, and you're going to have to sit in jail until this is completely paid because you did the crime. You're going to have to pay these fines and you're going to do that. And he slammed his gavel down and he says, there it is. He stood up, took his robe off walked around the front of the room. He pulls out his checkbook and he says, Mr. Court Reporter, Mr. Clerk, I'm this man's father. And I want to pay for all the fines that were just levied against him. Because he's my son. He wrote the check for the amount. And can I tell you that God is the God that's setting up there and he's the one who's going to judge us all. But he's still the father that says, hey, you did this and you are responsible for this, but let me take my, my, my robe off as judge and come around and say, hey, I've paid the price for you. We bow your heads and close your eyes. See, on this Father's Day, God is the ultimate father. He's worried about the glorious. He's worried about the waitresses. He's worried about all of these different ones. And he's here to say, I paid the price. I paid the price with my son. I paid the tremendous price that cost my son everything. All you have to do, as we saw in John 3.16, is believe in Him. And that believing is a private, one-on-one relationship. Next week when we have baptism, that's a public display. But it's private right now. And literally you can pray and ask Him into your life any way you want to but I'm just here to help you with some words if you'd like. If that's you today, 
whether you're listening to us and you're driving down the road in your car, in your house, watching us on stream, our online church or in this room, just simply say this. Say, Jesus, today I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me. I invite you into my life, my hopes, my dreams. Shape me like the clay. I surrender everything to you. I come just as I am, and I choose to follow you. From today forward, in the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you all of my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that for the first time, or maybe they prayed it before, and now they're praying it again. And maybe, Lord, they're one of those that's like, was with the hundred and left. You're so clear and evident that you're all about going for the one. Leaving the 99 at church, to go outside of church for that one. God, you're rejoicing when one comes back. Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord, that we will think about the glorias in our life. We'll think about the places that we can shine our light, that we can let the love of God be evident, even if people are sinning all around us we're still able to love you, to love on people, to not sin where others are, but to be a witness for you everywhere we go. And Lord, as we roll out this name change and the the simple shifting of this, Lord, I pray it's like the last piece of the puzzle that gets put in its place. Lord, I pray that it becomes the momentum that propels us forward. Lord, that even as people are telling their friends about it and and telling, inviting other people, it's like, well, isn't that the same church? Yeah, but this is really describing better who we are. It's a place where you belong. God, that you will take all of our efforts and slingshot us into the future, God. Lord, that we're able to see more lives touched more people's lives changed. And this place is filled in all the services with people's lives who have been changed and touched by them. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. Happy Father's Day, Father God. Abba. In Jesus' name we pray.